Well, hello there, and welcome to the podcast where our goal is to remind you that amidst the chaos and craziness of the world today, there are still plenty of good things that are worth shouting about. In each episode of this podcast, we're going to be joined by nonprofit professionals, leaders, experts, and advocates to hear their stories, facilitate conversation and connection within the nonprofit sector, and hopefully put a smile on your face. We like that. I'm Matt Barnes. This is Nonprofit Connect. Let's share some good. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. This is Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes. I'm Matt Barnes, and sitting here is my assistant, Tiffany Pope. Yep, the best. Wow. Okay. We're going with confident today. I like it. That's good. So we're continuing our series here. I mean, the whole podcast is a series of interviews, and we've got a really cool one today. But before we get to that, so we always, with the guests, do this thing called three random questions. Mm -hmm. And I have a list of many random questions, and then I choose, or the randomizer chooses three of them. And I just thought, you know, so that we could get to know Tiff a little bit better today, I'm going to ask her the three random questions. I think these are the same ones that I asked our guest Julia today. So here we go. Dogs or cats and why? Dogs. Thank God. Yeah. Sorry, no offense to the cat lovers, but they're just gross. I mean, the litter, like you have to clean it up and it stinks and it's like. They have such attitudes too. I know. My kids though, man, they're obsessed with cats. Yeah. They want a cat so bad. And I'm just like, (laughs) I love you all. This will never happen. (laughs) Okay. First concert you went to. (laughs) I went to a Selena Gomez concert. (laughs) Wait, Selena Gomez was the first concert you went to? Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Selena Gomez. Wow. Okay. So that was recently. And <laughs> what is your happy place TV show? Oh, it has to be The Vampire Diaries. The Vampire Diaries. Yeah. It's just something about romance and I just love it. It just brings me happiness. Okay. I've never seen The Vampire Diaries. The name alone just made me go, yeah, no thanks. I don't yeah. know. It just sounds... Cheesy. No, it's CW. awesome. CW? It's, it's a CW awesome. thing. I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Either you're Team Stefan or Team Damon. Why is it when there's vampires involved, there's always a team? <laughs> like, didn't that all start with the Twilight, Twilight thing, which I never saw, but Stacy was obsessed with? <laughs> and I heard all about, was it Team Jacob or Team Edward? Edward. Yeah. Right. But the, now you, you've got to choose this other team. Yep. Okay. Yep. Which team are you on? Team Damon, all the way. And who plays Damon? Ian Somahander. Oh, he was from Lost. Yeah. Yeah. Back mm-hmm. before, like when you were three or something. Way before my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, no, that actually, I think, started the year you were born. Okay. So Moving anyway, <laughs> wow, I'm old. Anyway, let's get to our guest today. Our guest today is Julia Campbell, and she is a nonprofit marketing specialist and social media guru. Wow. I think we gave her that title. I don't think she put that in her bio. <laughs> she didn't put guru. Maybe she did. I don't think so, though. But she's also a nonprofit podcast host. So here's the thing. When we have people who have their own podcasts on our podcast, I'm fine to promote their podcast as long as you listen to it after you listen to our podcast. <laughs> right? So she hosts a podcast with a really cool title, Nonprofit Nation, and she interviews sector professionals, and she also hosts lectures and talks on nonprofit and social media-related things. She is the founder of the Nonprofit Social Media Summit and offers uh, bespoke training and webinars. She is a very, very busy person, but 
She knows her stuff. She's got some great insights. I'm very excited to have her. Her company is called J. Campbell Social Marketing, and you should check it out because they do some really, really great work. So we're going to get into that conversation right after this brief message, and we'll be back with Julia Campbell. Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes is brought to you by Rogue Creatives. Did you know that your brand has a personality all of its own? Well, it does. Or it should. But maybe it doesn't. How do you know if it does? Here's what you do. Ask yourself, does the way you describe your organization match the way you describe your branding? Because it really needs to. Why? Because people don't connect with organizations. They just don't. They don't feel connected to them. They, they feel connected to characters. They feel connected to personality. So it's super important that your brand has a personality that connects with the right people to bring them into your story. And that's what Rogue Creatives is all about. We've developed our very own process called the Strategic Storytelling Framework to define your brand personality and create a brand foundation that will make sure your organization has that main character energy that connects with others and pulls them right into your story. And by the way, it works. And we got the receipts. Our nonprofit clients have seen incredible increases in giving that have allowed them to help even more people and make the world a better place. Get started today by visiting roguecreatives.com slash NPC. That's NPC for Nonprofit Connect. You can schedule a free brand consultation and take our free online brand character quiz. And we all know that everybody loves a good online quiz, especially when it's free. So get over there and do that because it's, it, why not? Why wouldn't you? You love it. It's going to be fun. That's roguecreatives.com slash NPC to begin defining your brand character today. There's no commitment or risk for you at all. And Honestly, we just can't wait to meet you. We, we kind of think we could be good friends. I think we could hang out. You could buy us lunch. We can help you with your branding and talk about the shows we're binging or whatever. It'd be nice. Rogue Creatives. Seriously, creative storytelling. All right. On with the show. All right. I'm here with Julia. Julia Campbell. How you doing, Julia? <laughs> Great. How are you, Matt? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to hear all about everything that you're doing. But before we dive into all of that, we always start with a piece we call three random questions because we ask three random questions. It's really cleverly named. Yeah. So I have a whole list of random questions and then I have a randomizer that chooses three of them. So. Ooh, I love it. Dogs or cats? We're no pet family. I love animals, but I don't know. I guess I'm going to say cats. You're a cat person? If I had to choose cats. Okay. All right. Any reason why? They're more independent. Mm. I can't deal with dogs jumping on me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Too needy I for like you? I like the cat's attitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First concert you ever went to? Gloria Estefan. I was just talking about this the other day. Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine and Nukas on the Block opened and it was before they were popular wow it was amazing that's a powerhouse show there <laughs> a yes, powerhouse was, 80 i show. will never forget i was just talking about this the other day still one of the best shows ever my assistant who is 19 she helps out with our kids as well and she was at our house the other day and she said i've got this song in my head turn the beat around what even is that oh no i was like Gloria Estefan, and she's like who miami sound machine <laughs> girlfriend had no idea i'm like come on oh kids all right, last one. What is your Happy Place TV show? Broad City. Oh, I've never seen that. I've heard good things, though. It's funny you asked that because I was just talking about that the other day because I don't <laughs> have a show now that I'm watching. I was watching From, 
which is not a happy place show. It's about <laughs> end of the world and dystopia and zombies. But that Broad City is the show I watch when I don't have a show and I just need to watch something. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. That tends to be like Parks and Rec for me is my Oh, kind of... I love Parks and Rec. Okay, love well, Parks we're going to get along just great. I yes. <laughs> Leslie Nope is my actual spirit animal. Nice. All right. Let's jump in. I'm looking over everything you've done and do with your podcast, Nonprofit Nation, and the services that you offer. What got you involved with nonprofits in the first place? What's your origin story as the nonprofit superhero that you are? Well, I've just always been a social justice warrior. I was an SJW from the beginning. From 14, I started a recycling program at my middle school, and then I started, it was called the Gay Straight Alliance at the time at my high school and worked with Amnesty International. I just always wanted to be involved in movements and causes, organized food drives and things like that. And then fast forward after college, I joined the Peace Corps and I lived in Senegal, I worked in Senegal for two and a half years. I did actually marketing campaigns. I mean, it's public health marketing around getting vaccinated and hygiene, malaria nets, things like that. And I worked with a lot of NGOs and nonprofits there. And when I came home, I thought, wow, I really want to work in the sector. Fell into fundraising like most people do. Started grant writing. Then I more transitioned into digital marketing. I was very interested in the rise of social media, the rise of email marketing, blogs, websites, things like that. I mean, we're talking 2005, maybe. I started my own consultancy in 2010, and I've been doing it ever since. So I've just always been interested in helping causes reach more people, but reach more people effectively. So not just spin their wheels, not just throw spaghetti at the wall, not just shout into the void, but which tools and techniques can they use that are best suited for their cause and organization and their bandwidth, but also best suited for their audience. So I call myself sort of like a digital matchmaker right now. That's what I do. That's great. I love that. What I'm passionate about is helping nonprofits get their story out there and connect with people. That's what we do. And there's so many challenges with that. What for you has been the biggest challenge in working with nonprofits in this area? The biggest challenge has been the snake oil that all of us were sold by the social media companies. So if you remember when Facebook pages first came out, like your 19-year-old assistant would not remember that. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, for the rest of us, like if you remember when they came out, it was really marketed as an alternative to your website and an alternative to your email list. And people thought, oh, I can just be on Twitter, you know, now X, I can be on LinkedIn, I can be on Facebook, I'll still be reaching the same number of people, I have complete control over what goes on in these platforms. And the challenge is, of course, all of these channels are owned by billionaires, and they answer to their shareholders. I'm really not a cynical person, but they do not have our best interests at heart. Look at the changes that I just read about recently coming to meta donations, Facebook and Instagram fundraising tools. They're now going to start charging fees. They promised they never would charge fees. I'm sure they're putting fundraising appeals way down in the algorithm. It's just we don't have any control over what these companies do. And I think the biggest challenge for me is to explain this to a 
fundraiser who thinks that this is sort of like a money faucet and you can turn it on and you don't have to really do much. And it's an alternative to doing really hard and expensive things. So that's probably my biggest challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think with social media in general, whether you're an individual, you're a for-profit, you're a nonprofit, everybody's constantly trying to figure out what actually can I do here? What is effective? What's worth my time? What's not? Is Threads a thing anymore? Like, who knows? You know, we're all trying to figure it out. It's so funny. Just this morning, I got a Threads notification and I was like, wait, what's Threads? Oh, yeah. that I get notifications <laughs> every single day from Threads and I have not been on there. And that's just exactly it's like, how do you as a small nonprofit, somebody doing it all manage all of this information coming at you? It's really overwhelming. It is. And they change stuff all the time and there's always new things. So when TikTok was becoming a big thing, I kind of was like, well, Snapchat didn't last. I'm not going to waste my time on TikTok because it's going to be the next fad thing. But now it's still here. Like, how do you anticipate those types of things? And I mean, I'm asking that generically, but also specifically to you (laughs) as you're working with these clients, these nonprofits, how do you look ahead? How do you evaluate the environment and decide what tools to recommend and all that? You have to have certain things completely cemented before you can start picking new platforms. You have to understand your goals and objectives. What are you trying to achieve? And I know we're trying to achieve all the things, but if it's a specific campaign, maybe pick out your top three goals for the year. We really want to increase volunteer recruitment. We want to become a thought leader in XYZ space, and we want to drive monthly donations. Like Those are three amazing goals. Different platforms might be better suited to different goals. So LinkedIn is fantastic for building thought leadership. TikTok is great for visibility and building an audience of a younger generation. It's not the best for sort of a thoroughfare, like red line to a donation. They don't have that functionality yet. I don't think they'll ever get that. And I kind of hope they don't because we don't want to turn TikTok into a transactional platform like Instagram is now. All I do on Instagram is buy things I don't need. And that's on me. But it's like the online target. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Instagram knows me so well. It's really scary. So when you're thinking about a different platform or say your board member comes to you and says, we need to be on threads, we need to be on Pinterest, we need to be on TikTok or whatever the next thing that's going to come up is, you really need to take a step back and say, who is our audience? Is our target audience using this platform? What is our goal? How will we know success? And maybe you won't, maybe you just experiment for a while, but always have the goal in the back of your mind. And then also, is it well suited to your temperament and your bandwidth? So this is a really huge point. If you absolutely hate video, well, first of all, you're going to have a hard time in social media. So that's something. But secondly, you're probably not going to succeed on TikTok or even Instagram where reels are kind of taking over or YouTube. If you are predominantly seeking to reach a teenage audience or even a younger college age audience, you're not going to want to be on Facebook. So you really have to match the platforms with your goals, objectives, and your audience, but also your capacity and bandwidth. And I always think, and I always say, and I teach quality over quantity because you can't beat the internet on quantity, especially with all the generative AI tools out there and ChatGPT and all this sort of garbage coming at us, but you can beat it on quality. 
Sure. How hard is it when you're working with a nonprofit to get them to adopt new ideas, new strategies, new platforms? If you're seeing like, hey, you really need to be over here, we need to be doing it this way. Do they tend to be quick to adapt to those things or are they a little slower? Well, the people that work one on one with me, they tend to be very open minded because usually the way I start working with one on one clients is through an audit and an assessment. So they're very open, hopefully, to criticism and to recommendations. The issue becomes I usually have one or two champions and then we have to present it to the board or we have to present it to the executive director or someone that doesn't understand necessarily the day-to-day work of what we're trying to do that isn't as open and receptive to new ideas. So really one of the biggest hurdles that I run into is I meet with development directors, marketing directors, and they're so excited and really inspired. And I can't even tell you how many have left and contacted me after and they said, oh, finally, I'm at a new job and now I can finally implement all these great recommendations that you gave me. So a lot of the times it's really, it's just because it's like death by committee. Everything at a nonprofit is death by committee. We don't trust people. We don't give them enough leeway. We don't trust our intuition. We just kind of think this is the way things have always been done. We're averse, we're risk averse. And none of that works in the digital marketing space. Status quo does not work. This is, for me, becomes a huge issue all the time as well. We're doing a campaign for a nonprofit client and maybe the marketing director I can get on board, but then they've got to go and run it by every department. They got to go and run it by the board. And most of the time they know that this is ridiculous, but occasionally even they're like, no, this this is how we do it. But I don't know. You're asking people who know very little to nothing about branding or marketing or design or any of that to weigh in on these things when they're also probably married to the way you've done things before because people can be very traditional and stuck in their ways, especially with nonprofits. Do you help coach them on how to take that message or to bring people along or how do you deal with that? Or is it just kind of like you do what you got to do? I usually tell my clients to go where the data is or go where the results are. So showing benchmarking reports Or you could do an experiment. So actually, a great example is Candid.org. Now, they are a fully advocacy academic think tank. They do not serve clients. They don't have puppies, kittens, children, environment, birds, nothing, okay? They are a think tank and they serve nonprofits. They did a three-month experiment where they posted videos on Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, and TikTok. And they wrote a blog post about it. It's fantastic. And I'm having... Kate Myers Emery, who spearheaded the experiment on my podcast to talk about it, because first of all, she had a really hard time getting anyone on board. But what she said was, she said, look, we're going to do this experiment for 90 days. This is exactly how much it's going to cost. This is how much staff time it's going to take. These are the results that we're looking for. I think is if you can do that, because what happens is You're like me when I'm 16 and I go to my dad and I'm like, I want to take the car. That never, that did not fly with my dad. He would say, where are you going? There was before cell phones, everybody. Where are you going? Who are you going to be with? What time are you going to be back? How are you paying for gas? Where can I reach you? Like you needed a five point plan. So 
what happens in organizations is fundraisers, they get all excited. They're like, oh, I want to be on TikTok. I want to do reels. I want to do this. I want to do that. And to an executive director, what they hear is time suck and money suck. And there's sort of like that cognitive dissonance there. So if you have a plan and you say, look, we're going to try this for 60 days, 90 days. This is exactly what I'm thinking of doing. I'm only going to pull in one other team member on this. This is the percentage of my time. It's going to take just the who, what, when, where, why, and how. The more specific you can be when you're presenting your plan to someone who needs to approve it, the better, because then they can sort of understand. Also, if you can provide examples of what you want to do. So I have an entire Google Drive, happy to share it with anybody, nonprofit examples, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn. If you can provide examples and go to your supervisor and say, look, the Boys and Girls Club of Boston did this great storytelling campaign. I think we could do this too. So it's just hard for people to visualize what you want to do without the specifics. Yeah, I would love to see that. I mean, I think... Yes, I'll send it to you. That would be great. And maybe we can share it with the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I take screenshots. It's overwhelming because I've been doing this for... (laughs) 13, 14 years. Screenshots. I have PDFs of emails that I like. I have, oh, I've got tons of examples. That's the whole reason we're doing even this podcast and the live events that we do is nonprofits, especially, I think, feel often so isolated and so alone in what they're doing. And they don't have that kind of, what are other people doing? Also, it's this weird thing of there's a bit of a competitive environment, but there's also this fear-based scarcity thing of like, I don't really want to, you know, and then everybody's just so busy. But you and I have the benefit of the viewpoint of working with so many different nonprofits. You're like, no, you guys are all in the same boat. And the more that we can connect them and help them learn from each other. And so resources like that are fantastic because I think to see what other people are doing and how it's working and what's not working and and all of that gives a little bit more credibility because there are so many nonprofits, just like for-profits, who are just trying to figure it out. Like you said, it's the... Building the plane while you're flying. Yeah, and you don't know. And then right when you maybe figure something out, they change the algorithm and then you start back at square one. It's definitely a rough world. And one of the challenges that nonprofits have, and I'd love you to speak to this as well, they have more than one audience, right? So they have their donors, their volunteers, the people that they're serving. And those could be three completely different age groups, could be different demographics. So putting together a strategy for reaching those different groups is a unique challenge that I think nonprofits have. How do you address that? There's really two ways to go about it. If you're really bootstrapping, you have one channel, like a Facebook page or just one thing you do, you have to think about the thread that runs through all of these audiences. And it really is your mission. So it's your why. It's why do you exist? And to be honest, as a donor, if I see a call to action, call our hotline or we're having our food banks open tonight, that doesn't turn off your donors. They, first of all, are seeing your mission in action. And they are hopefully going to be excited about funding that mission. So there's a lot of overlap. And I wouldn't get too stressed out about too much segmentation. I mean, if you're small, if you're bigger, then yeah, you can do some segmentation. The second alternative is to use different channels for different audiences. So an example that I always use, and you're going to laugh, is the IRS. Okay, so the IRS 
I heard there are two social media managers on NPR and they were phenomenal and amazing. And they talked about how they were starting an Instagram channel. And I love how this was like national news, but (laughs) they talked about how they use Facebook for tax professionals and LinkedIn for more tax professionals and accountants. They use Twitter for timely, like you got deadlines or things that are news related. They use YouTube for instructional how-tos, like how to do this, how to find your tax return form. And they use Instagram to reach a much younger audience. And they use these fun graphics and kind of cartoony things on Instagram. So if that is something that is an opportunity, if you can do that with your bandwidth, that could be another great choice for you just to really use each channel the way it's meant to be used and target different audiences on each channel. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's always the challenge. I think one of our challenges sometimes is we'll have a nonprofit come to us and say, okay, we want to do this Facebook campaign. And then they'll tell us what it's for. And I'm going, but the audience for that is not on Facebook. That happens all the time to me, all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't want to do a Facebook campaign for this. You're going to get nowhere. They're not there. And they're like, no, we got to do a Facebook campaign. That's what we've always done. And I'm like, well, then why are you coming to us? If this is what you've always done, then just do it again. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's that challenge of helping people see where they need to be and getting them to trust that you have that expertise. The examples and things that you offered on your Google Drive and all that, is that stuff that you use to sort of help make those cases? All the time. And I use them in webinars and presentations and speaking. And I kind of say, this is an organization that has sort of a similar mission. A great way to use examples, especially is if a nonprofit has some kind of prohibitive nature to their work. Like if they are in domestic violence, or I worked with an organization that helps survivors of sexual exploitation and sex trafficking, they never share names and faces. They share milestone Mondays and they put up a picture of like a butterfly and they share very inspirational quotes and pictures. And they usually share a little bit of a snippet, maybe a quote from one of the people that they have served, but they never share a name and you don't need to do a name and a date and an address and an age. You don't need a social security number. Like you do not need to do that on social media. Also, you can share staff stories. How about getting the staff perspective? I went to the Boys and Girls Club after school program. Oh my gosh, it was so active. I played basketball or I played Uno and it was so fun. Like, there you go. There's an Instagram reel and it doesn't have to be a child that you're interviewing. I think that this is another thing that we just are so ingrained in us. We have to showcase the clients, but sometimes it's really not feasible for some of us. So there's ways to do it, talking about it in a third person, creating a graphic with a quote without a face or a name, talking to a staff member or a volunteer. I really believe that using these examples, like getting examples from other organizations, because what's going to happen is you're going to go to your ED and say, we need to do more storytelling on social media. This is me every day, all day. Someone says, we can't. Okay. Well, why can't you? Well, we can't share names and faces. Okay. Here's literally 50 examples of organizations like yours doing storytelling in a creative way. And it helps when you're not working from a blank page, because when you're staring at that blank page and you're thinking, I've never seen this before, I don't know what to do, then you get wrapped up in your own obstacles and challenges of why you can't do it. 
Which is why I, I love the idea of bringing in people like you, people like me, to give that outside perspective. That outside perspective. And, oh, it's so helpful because the development director or the marketing person, they're probably craving this and they just need to be validated a lot of the time. They're like, can you just please validate this to my executive director? And I say, well, okay, I'm happy to. <laughs> I'm happy to not sugarcoat things. I said, but what happens when I go away? Like, I want to give you the skills to be able to do this. Yeah. So we work with CASA. I don't know if you're familiar with CASA. Oh, I love CASA. So we work with CASA here in Orange County, and we've been working with them for a long, long time. And can't show the kids' faces. You, you have to be careful with that stuff. And so last year, got the budget together with them to do illustrations and put together these illustrated stories where you can do this whole walkthrough on their website. And it's getting that creativity out there. There are ways to do this. The other thing, like you said, with staff, with volunteers, you're asking people to invest their lives, their money, their time into this story and into what's happening. Well, let's hear from people who have done that and are still excited about it, you know, that they can identify. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's so many ways that we can bring people into the story in effective ways without having to violate those boundaries that need to be there and just helping us to slow down too and make sure we're doing ethical storytelling and not exploiting or any of that stuff. Absolutely. And something I've seen in the last few years, people in general are incredibly fatigued with manipulative and unethical storytelling. They don't want the picture of the child in an African village with the flies around their face. They don't want the Sarah McLaughlin ASPCA ad with the abused animals. We don't want to be manipulated. We don't want to be made to feel bad and we want to be made to feel good. So how can we make our donors, how can we make our supporters feel great and feel happy and excited about giving? And that's actually why Charity Water is so successful. Because they sort of flipped the script like way back when on fundraising and they wanted to make it joyful and joyous and exciting and cool. Whereas everybody else was sending out these mailers that were like, if you don't donate $7, the dog dies. (laughs) Exactly. I've actually seen mailings like that. So we are done with that. We are entering a new era. Like if you're in Taylor Swift eras, we're entering like our positive storytelling era. Yeah. My number one rule for nonprofits when we're working with them is if you lead with the sob story, if you lead with the depression, people, there's enough crap in this world to feel depressed about. Well, I don't want people to mistake me. I don't want you to sugarcoat what you do. Like if you're Planned Parenthood, things are grave and do not sugarcoat what you do, but you don't have to do it in a way that's doom and gloom. And they don't. They don't at all. Obviously, you have to present the problem, but it's that we're providing a solution. There's hope. There's excitement there. Be part of it. Be part of this movement. Exactly. That we're and that's what you get. If people want to be part of a movement, they'll go a long way. If you guilt them into it, they'll, they might give one time just to make the guilt go away, make them feel better. And then then they don't come back. You want people to join your story, not just kind of go, oh, OK, here, make me feel better. Here's 20 bucks. One piece of fundraising that I really hate that I just saw the other day on social media for the price of your daily latte. I said, you know what? I can buy my latte and I can also support you. Some people cannot and that's okay, but don't make me feel bad about buying a latte because then that's going to turn me off because it's sort of, 
it's really manipulative language. It's like, you should feel bad about spending your money on yourself. You should be only spending money on our organization. So the language, it needs to be less accusatory and more like an invitation into a, like a party that we want to go to. Yes, definitely. I love that. All right. We're getting toward the end here. If you had to give one piece of advice to somebody running a nonprofit today or doing marketing for a nonprofit, what would that be? You're doing great. Also, done is better than perfect. That's probably my number one piece of advice. Do not workshop an Instagram caption (laughs) for five hours. I've seen it done. Just experiment, get it out there. Social media, no one will get injured if you have a grammatical error in a Facebook post. You can always edit it and change it. I really think done is better than perfect. And I think that sort of perfectionism holds us back. Yes. Perfect. I love it. All right. We always wrap up with a few questions. How important is community in your work? Community is everything in my work, because if there's no trust built up, there can be no community. And if there's no community, then action and social change cannot take place. Nice. What could the nonprofit world do more to be more connected? More collaboration. So let's stop focusing on people that have money and stop focusing on people with checkbooks. And let's talk to each other and figure out how we can collaborate, lift each other up. I know on Giving Tuesday, my favorite campaigns were nonprofits that said, hey, here's three nonprofits you might not know about that you should donate to that we work with. So more collaboration and more teamwork. Love that. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing nonprofits right now? And I'm going to totally pinch a quote from Seth Godin. We don't need more information. We just need to decide. That's good. Too much information, not enough decision making. What is it? Analysis paralysis or? Analysis paralysis and procrastinate learning. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. We love webinars. We love podcasts. But at the end of the day, you got to make a decision as to what you're going to do. Yep. And go. Last question. What brings you the most joy in your job? Talking to so many cool people like you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer. I'm a journalist at heart. I studied journalism. I always wanted to travel the world and talk to interesting people. And that's actually what I get to do in my work. So just meeting cool people and talking about interesting things. That's awesome. Well, Julia, I'm so happy to have gotten to talk to you and meet you. What you're doing is fantastic. And there needs to be more of you out there. You're such a great encourager. Thank you. I'm a cancer. Okay. Part of my astrological sign. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Where can people find you and get more information about everything you're doing? The best place to reach me, my website, jcsocialmarketing.com. Also, I'm really active on LinkedIn. So just look up Julia Campbell and probably one other place is my podcast. So just look for Nonprofit Nation with Julia Campbell, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you listen to your podcast. So great. Julia, thank you so much. And we'll maybe have you back sometime and catch up again. Thank you. Great question. Thank you so much. And my friends, that is a wrap for today. If you made it this far, and I don't know why you wouldn't, it's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Nonprofit Connect. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate it because we really appreciate it a lot. And it's hard to say that really well. We really would like it, though, if you came back for our next episode. Only if you liked it, obviously. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use and visit our website, npconnect.roguecreatives.com. 
Hopefully we've managed to share insights to make you feel connected and even a smidge better about your life and the world and everything. Are our goals too high? Maybe, but that's how we like things. All right, you have yourself a great day. Bye-bye. Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes is hosted and executive produced by me, Matt Barnes, with an assist by my chaos coordinator, Tiffany Pope. Production is by our amazing friends over at Fame, the B2B podcast agency, along with Belinda Carter-Thompson and the team here at Rogue Creatives. Production lead is Luke Audi at Fame. Writing is by Sam Hollis at Fame and Matt Barnes and Taylor Bolanos from Rogue Creatives. Nemanja Koljaja of Fame is our audio editor and Arslan Yakub from Fame is our video editor. Creative direction is by Corey Hill of Rogue. Our artwork is designed by Hope Kelly and Joshua Marino at Rogue and Ian Salas of Fame. Theme music is composed and performed by Jared Atherton of Chapters. Luke Audio of Fame does our booking and our guest relations. Huge thanks to our amazing guests for joining us for this episode and to all of you incredible listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, don't forget to help us spread some good by giving us a good review. Preferably, you know, five stars with lots of words saying how amazing we are on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Also, tell your friends and subscribe so we can come straight into your potholes each and every time we have a new episode. For more information about Nonprofit Connect or to join us at a live event here in Orange County, California, visit our website, npconnect.roguecreatives.com. We'll catch you next time. This has been a Rogue Creatives production.